Oh, hello. That's so adorable. I told you I did it! I got it! I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration. The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people. There you go. Go there in the end. Welcome to Delightful Dungeon Diving, a coffee slash tea table podcast dedicated to talking TTRPGs and character development. And Emily's going to take us into our beverage. Hello. Beverage today, ladies and gentlemen, is what some of you may not know, but it's a builder's tea. And for those of you who don't know what a builder's tea is, uh, let my British ways introduce you to a glorious beverage a builder's tea is a black tea, normal normal kind of tea bag, but with a lot of milk and a lot of sugar, because that's the kind of thing a builder needs to get them through the day. And it's the kind of thing they will take many breaks for during the day to drink very slowly as they carry on pretending to do work. <laughs> that, <sounds laughs> that is that nice. is a builder's tea. And I was weaned on them um, off the bottle onto a builder's tea. That's literally that as soon as I was old enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, but there may be a clue as to what we're going into for our scene today enjoy the scene today is called what the what and i'll be playing sassafras sassafras is a goblin artificer who due to their state of constant invention and tinkering and acquiring knowledge has fallen into a false understanding of the world sassafras thinks they have it all figured out how things work, how the rules are written, and this has ill-equipped them for when the floor drops out beneath them. Oh, I like that voice, Emily. (laughs) Uh, I'm Hannah. I will be playing Mayday Maybell. Warforged fighter who is glass-half-full kind of person to a fault, Mayday Maybell, or Maymay as their friends affectionately call them, is eternally optimistic and refuses to let any situation seem hopeless, neither for themselves or others. And I'll be playing Kincaid. Uh, Kincaid is a dwarven fighter who cuts a fearsome figure, but has a rather large fear of creepy crawlies. However, Kincaid views fear as an opportunity for bravery and believes wearing one's emotions on their sleeve helps others to express their emotions in a healthy way, too. I'm Nick, and I'll be playing Morella. Mm. <laughs> Here we go. I love it. Morella is a gnome druid who has fit herself snugly into the role of group grandmother. Morella has a fair amount of adventuring behind her, but rather than stuck in her own methods and ways, she feels adventuring as a way to constantly learn about how people and societies have changed. Morella can be stern, but only because she hopes people will believe themselves capable of being better. I love her so much. I didn't know you had that in the tank. I didn't think about this one before that I'd actually have to do it in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go into the narration. Mm. We find our adventurers barricaded in a room on the highest levels of a mysterious tower. The group had it on good authority that the vacant tower by the sea contained marvelous treasures and wonders but have just discovered the tower may in fact be occupied. Shut the door! Shut the door! Shut the door! 
Not to worry, this door looks quite sturdy and well-built. I am sure the Carpenter's Guild behind such works are very- What even was that thing? That's not- that's not fair, it was so cute! Aye, we Bonbon had the fluffy ears and fuzzy feetsies. I don't blame you for trying to give it a cuddle. Do we need to discuss the thing? I mean, do we really? Yes, we need to discuss it. The bunny had tentacles and 17 eyes and a mouth that split open three ways. 17? Yes, 17. Do you know how I know? Because I was right in its cute and cuddly face and then I counted as each one beyond two popped up on its forehead and its slobbering fangs came out with its terrifying flower petal from hell mouth opening to eat me. What an impressive creature. It must be an incredibly successful hunter to have not only camouflage, but also such effective predatory tools. Okay, maybe. I think we can all agree that the tentacle bunny is a unique specimen. Oh, oh gods, I hope it's unique. But I think Sassafras is more concerned with the nature of such a beastie's existence. Sassafras might be having a bit of a moment here. I don't understand how that thing exists. Why does it exist? Did a wizard make it? To just eat people? Why not a guard dog? Or just an old-fashioned spike trap? What could be the- Hey, now, Sassy, it scared me too. Might even need a change of undergarments soon. And that's probably the point, is that it scared us. It was a deterrent, and it worked. Whatever you're feeling right now is a natural reaction to what you just experienced, and you're just processing it your way. Kincaid, I think some of that tentacle you cut off got in your beard. No, 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 get it off, get it off! Ah! Oh, Kincaid, don't worry. I will remove the severed demon bunny tentacle bits from your beard. I am so impressed by how you keep it so lush. All right, looksies, I, I know that tentacle floof out there is a problem, but I'm also concerned about the view out that window there. Eh? What do you mean, Morena? Well, we came into the tower by the sea, you know. By the sea. Look out that window. Do you see any water? Oh, how interesting. It appears the sea has been replaced by a snowy mountainside. Sassafras, can you make me a sled? Of course I can make you a sled. But how? How did we get here? How did the tower get here? Is it a teleportation circle? A portal to another realm? An illusion? Kincaid, keep that door shut while I get my spectrometer. Ooh, I love the spectrometer. I'll hold the door, if you agree not to tell me what you see. I get out your fancy goggles and tell us just how much trouble we're in. Alright, hold on. Calibrating. These should let me trace any remnants of conjuration magic. Oh, well that's interesting. Kincaid, plug your ears. Yes, ma'am. Tell us, Sassafras, I love your inventions. We teleported, and I see more bunnies out there. (gasps) (laughs) 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 Love it. That was fun. (laughs) We need a a little show of Emily's Sassafras. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want to do the classic goblin. I want to do something really funny. Valley Girl Goblin. (laughs) Valley Girl Goblin's a strong choice. Yeah. All right. That was our scene. And hopefully from that, you got a little hint of what our topic will be today. I'm Nick. I go by he, him pronouns. And an odd fact about myself is that on my mother's side, we call my grandfather and grandmother by the names Daddy Roy and Tia. Uh... This is something my my sister coined when we were very young. I'm not even sure if I was born yet. Um, we uh, Tia is not my grandmother's name at all. Uh, it was just a sound she made. 
And uh, the fun part about that is that my wife's family is Mexican-American. So one day when we have kids, they'll call my sister, their aunt in Spanish, Tia. So that's my odd fact. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her. And my fun fact is that the very first time I was ever on a sailboat, I was two months old. Hmm. I come that's, from a sailing family. So. I was going to say, that's pretty young to start sort of like getting you to work on a, on a ship. My, <laughs> it's like, come on. My, gran- <laughs> my grandmother held me so tight and was so I scared. Bet. And my mother, grandmother, and I took the ferry back home while my dad Ooh. sailed the boat back across the uh, sound. Wow. That's <laughs> amazing. I love that. I love Fun that experience, though. Hello, my name is Ibrahim. I go by he, him pronouns. Uh, fun fact about me, I have never seen the ocean uh, if I'm not in a plane. Or I've never seen the ocean without being in a plane. Wow. Never been at the wow. Flown across it multiple times, never stood on the beach. Or like lake beaches, ocean beach, different things entirely. Yeah, they are mm. different, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they are. Huh. Um, we'll have to fix that, I think. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to make that me. my life mission. Yeah. Oh, do you have an sure. ocean? Oh, you do have an ocean. Yeah, I live on the coast. <laughs> there you go. Done. We're doing it. You don't want to come to my, my beaches. They're pretty shit. Oh, um, I mean, New England beaches are too, but. <laughs> I mean, we got Galveston. <laughs> yeah, we got Galveston. But does anyone really want to go out to Galveston? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> New England, Galveston, and Brighton Beach. I uh, guess. We just lost got... all of those listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Our core demographic. Yeah, there they go. Um, so I'm Emily. My pronouns are she, her. Fun, probably not so fun for some people. Fact, um, I really enjoy the combination of cucumber and chocolate. Hmm. It's a very good, I, if anyone's ever. We're getting tried closer it. and closer every episode oh, to okay. Emily outing herself as a psychopath. <laughs> I've, had, <laughs> I've had zucchini bread that had chocolate chips oh, in it, and that was pretty go. good. There but you are. cucumber oh. specifically. Yeah. With dark chocolate? Mm. Okay. Do you do anything to the cucumber? Is it prepared anyway? Not particularly. The best way to sort of do it is um, just sort of like really, really chilled. You have to keep the cucumber really, really cold. Um, and then sort of like dark chocolate sort of like crisscrossed the top of it. And then like that, that put it back in the fridge, let it get cold huh. and then pop it in like a little. Okay. Little so like you kind of like, cho- like you put a chocolate shell over the cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little chocolate right. frosting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I can. Good. I can imagine those flavors. I don't know if I like them, but I can imagine them. <laughs> that's a, if anyone's that's tempted a on a chocolate uh, kind of fondue, just dip your uh, your cucumber in there. I mean, I'm not above trying anything, so <laughs> I'll try anything once. <laughs> but there's well, my speaking odd of uh, speaking of food, then mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so we like to have a splendid snack, and our splendid snack is going to be the topic that we discuss. Uh, as you might imagine from that description of the 17-eyed creature, uh, our topic today is going to be homebrew. And I think our splendid snack is going to be best described as cucumbers on the mind, uh, a little cucumber and butter sandwich. Hmm. Just a nice little uh, nice. Jane Austen-style nice. Finger sandwich with cucumber. 
Nice. Made those mm. actually for my uh, my AP English class. I don't remember what the assignment was that I thought I would make sandwiches for in AP English course, but I did. <laughs> uh, Desperately needed that grade for a report you didn't write. They were huh? very okay. <laughs> no strong reactions. Nice. I love it. So yeah, we are going to be talking about uh, the topic of homebrew in the mm-hmm. TTRPG space. Um, and for a general uh, overview for people who aren't familiar with that term, uh, no, it's not brewing alcohol in your basement, although that is perfectly It can fine. be. Uh, it, it can <laughs> yeah, be. Right, yeah, well, absolutely right. can be. Um, homebrew is essentially creating your own content slash rules um, for your for your games, for your worlds. It is essentially just the idea of being creative and coming up with your own stuff. Uh, there is not, in my mind, there's not a strict dichotomy between official published content that you must use and not use with homebrew. They're, in my mind, tended to run together. And the official content is there to inspire your homebrew. Um, but yeah, we're going to dive into it and get everyone's uh, opinions on this. I'm curious what y'all's uh, opinions are about homebrewing things like uh, character classes or character races slash species. Mm. I, I think for me, I define homebrewing as like a separate entity from what I would just consider like campaign or scenario writing which is something that you just kind of have to do when you're planning. Well, you don't have to do. You could fully just improvise everything. And that's a fun time. It's stressful for me personally. <laughs> but um, I think for me, homebrew starts where you are creating. It starts where you're creating a stat block or where you're creating a thing that not only do no other instances of it exist in the game, but you are creating something that is not covered by the game at all. So a homebrew could be a rule, uh, it could be a specific creature, it could be a race. Um, but yeah, I think all of those are like pretty equally homebrew. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I feel like the idea of house ruling for things in any game, not just TTRPGs, mm. is it's not unique to role playing games. You know, you can have a house rule for any type of game that you are playing. And homebrew just encompasses the fact that there is some storytelling element to this. Um, when you, you know, I, I really love the culture in TTRPGs is that you have the original system and maybe or maybe not the lore that comes with it and you use that as a jumping off point um mm-hmm. as to the specific question of uh races and characters i mean i'm sure it's different depending on which specific ttrpg you're playing but uh i definitely in- enjoy that i have some friends who have created some uh homebrew uh, ra- uh some homebrew classes um and I've helped them troubleshoot some of and edit some of those. Uh, I'm actually currently in one of the Dungeons and Dragons games that I'm playing. I have taken a race off of uh, what is it, DM's Guild? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's off of DM's Guild uh, of the Half Dryad, 
And I'm very much enjoying playing that. And one of the things that you have to do, though, if you're from the player's standpoint, is any time that you are using a homebrew mechanic, whether it's your race, your class, an item, you definitely have to work with your game master and Mm -hmm. make sure that between the two of you, you agree that nothing is overpowered, underpowered, that everything works within their world. But so long as you're all on the same page, and even if you aren't sure if it's going to work, but you're willing to kind of finesse it as you go, Mm. you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to TTRPGs, as long as everyone's having fun and, you know, no one's being a jerk, there really is no wrong way to go about any of it. Yeah, I think that's really important that sort of like, especially with homebrew kind of classes and sometimes races can come into it too, if they've got sort of certain stats and stuff. But um, being able to finesse, nerf or buff um, Mm -hmm. as you go, um, especially if you haven't had a chance to playtest anything. So if you're not sure what playtesting is, um, this comes up a lot with sort of homebrew classes where you'll kind of basically do like a one shot or maybe a couple of sort of like sessions using this um, class, maybe a variety of levels just to see how balanced it is, um, whether it's fun to play as well as another really big factor so um, as Hannah said having that ability to finesse as you go is really really important and having that that with your player and and the dm sort of um being able to wiggle that around as you go through is really important yeah I'm thinking actually the first time that I ever played with a homebrew class was I tried the circle of the spores druid in dungeons and dragons and My understanding is the class is much better at higher levels, but it can be really hard to get your handle on. And for better or worse, unfortunately, it turns out druids are just my least favorite class in general. So that was also part of it. (gasps) I just don't. I know. I know, Emily. I'm sorry. Um, But I just don't gel with that class. And so I actually ended up uh, writing out that character in that game, Mm. which was then replaced by the half dryad ranger that I was mentioning. Nice. If anyone, for some odd reason, wants more of that character, Morella, she actually does happen to be a gnome circle of spores druid. And you can find her on the Delightful Dungeon Diving TikTok page. So if for some (laughs) reason you want more of that. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I... I think as a as a kid, I had to say, and I'm sure I'm sure people are going to empathize with this, that I felt like the the, the content I was consuming, uh, whether it be a video game or a movie or something, a book, that it needed to be established. It needed to be something that was published, uh, made by you know a gaming company. So, to me, I think the my mentality was that I needed the rules to be there and structured, so I knew what the I knew how creative something could be within that bounds of those rules. If there were no rules, in my mind, it felt like, oh, well, nothing really means as much because I could change this at any time. Mm-hmm. And with homebrew, when I got into D&D and the, the TTRPG sphere, I still kind of had that mentality of, you know, I've got the books with all this stuff established and I know that it's well balanced or as balanced as it can be, et cetera, et cetera. And if I do only homebrew, it feels like everything's just going to spiral out of control a bit or just not feel real, maybe feel a little hollow. But the truth is, I, I, 
literally just came off of a four-hour one-shot run by the incredible PC Perini, and we homebrewed the world, the character classes and races, uh, the mechanics, and essentially the type of story we were going to do. And it felt amazing to the point that we all want to go live in that world now. And that was just a one-time deal. So homebrew doesn't, homebrew isn't fake TTRPG. Mm. It is literally part of it. And there's so many extremes you can go to. At least that's been my experience so far. 100%. It's it's just as, this game is an imagination game. It is a yeah. game where you and your friends get together and you agree on a set of rules and you agree on a experience that you're going to share in together. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the creative process. So homebrew is just as valid as anything else. Like, uh, I think my first character had homebrew because uh, my f- the first character I ever played was in a very heavily modified uh, uh, Starfinder campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, or excuse me, not Starfinder, uh, Spelljammer campaign, where it was basically like, we're going to take the ship mechanics from 3.5 or 2E Spelljammer, and we're going to take nothing else, and the rest of it is just completely, it, it's all homebrew. Here's my list of things, here's what exists, you want something in, talk to me about it, put it in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's like, there's all these little kind of blind spots where 5e just out of the box even with all the materials and extra books and companion pieces doesn't really make a lot of things possible Mm -hmm. um like ice spells you want to make an ice wizard or like an ice sorcerer there are no level eight or level nine ice themed spells like not even in the theming so if you want to bring that in you're going to have to homebrew it if you want to play an ice genasi instead of a water genasi homebrew options uh you know lava uh even like water genasi is not super well equipped Mm -hmm. so there's like all these options that you can take to sort of like just flesh it out make more characters possible ibrahim i think you just inspired an idea and i'm sure someone's done this before (laughs) but now i'm thinking of a ttrpg campaign set in the bionicle universe Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. describing all these different. I'm like, oh, this could be fun. <laughs> that, Gotta that do re- it. That reminds me of what, like, I, I'm sure I've heard this before. Of one of my favorite ideas in terms of homebrew, is taking various elemental magics and switching out the type of element that it's using. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can take a one to one same amount of damage and just switch the damage type from yeah. say fire to ice for example and yeah. you know rewrite the flavor a little bit maybe yeah um but mechanically that is not going to break the game that's one of the easiest things that you can mm-hmm. change over um and can really open a lot up a lot of doors if you you know just you you want to play something that again isn't uh, isn't supported in the base rules but like you've all said this is all about creativity so why not just you know reach for the stars and see what you find uh and that's that's a great example of something that's really simple homebrew to do yeah yep i like that a lot i think it's just that kind of you know you want to play a character who is all about fire and you love a particular spell but you just want to kind of reskin it in a certain way that it kind of fits your character better like that's one of the easiest ways to do that because it doesn't it doesn't hurt anything 
doing that. Yeah. Or speak, speaking of, of fire, this reminds me of a character in a campaign I played once. Um, if the GM and the player have ideas of what they really, really, really want to do, and it may not be compatible, how can you shift things in a simple way to make it work? For example, our GM had a campaign where we were fighting a lot of devils, which devils, uh, I believe, are immune to fire, right? Mm. Um, and we had a player who wanted to play a fire sorceress. Um, right. And right. so Tough. the DM basically homebrewed an item or just something innate in that character that said, okay, because of XYZ, your character specifically, when they cast fire spells, they're, they do half damage or right. something so that this player was still able to follow through on their concept and they weren't completely nerfed, but uh, the GM still got to have their way and have all of the devils that worked in the lore of their story. Um, and so they, they were able to, ba able to balance both people getting what they wanted and still having fun. Right. And, and I, I keep coming back to that conversation I had with my grandparents asking me about D and D or like, how do you play it? Like literally do we get the box? And so many people, I think that is their barrier to getting into TTRPGs is, is it's the homebrew barrier. It really is. They think there has to be a book telling me what I need to do and what to do. And even people who are already in the hobby getting stuck in that mindset of, well, this thing says to do this, 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 and this, and it doesn't have this, 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 and this, that is all suggestion. And, and the way I look at it is it's all like icing on the cake. They already, they already gave everything away. They told us how to play this game and now it's all of ours. And now we get all the extra content for fun and inspiration, especially the um, uh, modules, campaign modules, um, mm. which I think are incredible achievements in just literature like it's such a cool little form of writing uh like here we're gonna write out a choose your own adventure story for you to run but again those are at there's always a little asterisk in every paragraph that says hey remember these are just suggestions go do your own shit and <laughs> you can throw your own fun stuff in at any time i i think it was uh tasha's uh tasha's cauldron of everything that they introduced the idea and i thought it was funny the way it's written they introduced a new mechanic of flavor your magic the way you want it to look if you're casting magic missiles i think i think the actual picture in the book is of a a, a farmer looking gnome casting spectral green chickens as their magic missiles and the way the paragraph is written kind of is tongue-in-cheek like hey you could have done this the whole time, but we're going to go ahead and tell you officially, like, please do this. Mm. So I think it's there. I think, I think, I think the impetus to get people to create and add to the sphere is there. Yeah. Kind of like how in critical role, whenever they have a character that casts spiritual weapon, it <laughs> come or spirit guardians. Those are the two that they've really, especially in campaign two. Uh, I remember, um, the guy who played Shikasta, one of their guests, his, at one of the live shows, his um, spiritual weapon was, or his spirit guardians, <laughs> yeah. was like the bust of Estelle Getty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then another one, it, no, at the live show, it was uh, like, it was literally, 
I can't even remember. You can edit out the awkwardness of this. No, no, it was like it was like, it was like <laughs> a statue of Nefertiti or something. Yeah, it was a statue yeah. of Nefer- Nefertiti. It was just like a whole big statue. And he literally <laughs> brought it on on stage. But that's the joy of that kind of flavor homebrew because it doesn't necessarily have to be anything that impacts the rules at all. It can just be flavor uh, to make it more real and more interesting and more personal. Yeah, we we played today in a in a world that it was becoming possible for magic to be taken off of books. And that's such a fun, it was someone in in our group had the idea and we kind of ran with it. And it was such a cool idea. And we had a, a situation where like someone was pretending to pull this magic. So what's the book and what is coming out? And for some reason, I, my, the first thing my brain went to was little women. So then we had, <laughs> you know, we're playing a game where we have a spectral image of Emma Watson appearing out of a book. And I just think this this is so amazing that I live in these times. This is wonderful. Um, so, cool. <laughs> so I'm curious, what what do y'all think would be the most common type of homebrew? Like the, the most common thing of a TTRPG game being homebrewed? Items. Items. Yeah, items are items. Say just like one. world building, I think, is probably um, like stepping away from the kind of pre-written campaigns is my kind of like uh just because i i don't know if it's just me but i find kind of reading a lot of the kind of like um uh pre-done kind of campaign books quite daunting there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that you have to kind of learn a lot of npcs that you have to figure out and a lot of things you have to kind of pre-read before sort of like running um some of those campaigns and that's why I've I've never run one <laughs> yet. Um, I, I get that. I haven't either. Uh, so I think personally, uh, so you can kind of like make it up as you go or mm-hmm. just have a bit more freedom to kind of change things without it kind of, I don't know, messing up the story or, or mm. whatever, sort of later down the line in something that's pre-written. Um, for me, I think it's sort of like the world building homebrew is the most common that I see because people can then just kind of have their own sandbox. Um I will counter that, though, Emily, with Mm. the idea that I've, and again, I, admittedly, I still have not run a game. I I know, shame. But um, (laughs) I have definitely heard people say, though, even if you take a pre-written module, so often your players might take it off the rails and you just end up homebrewing it anyway. Yeah, Yeah. that's very Uh, true. Or there should be no you know, shame in or no hesitation to do a mix of module and Mm -hmm. homebrew. Mm -hmm. Like in the moment it is GM's call and you are just being creative and, you know, doing that and, you know, maybe try to take notes while you can so that you can square things if it comes up down the line that something contradicts. But you can write yourself out of anything. You can write yourself into anything and write yourself out of anything if you're just willing to go for it. And also, you know, if you have a forgiving table and you do end up writing in a contradiction, just level with them and be like, hey guys, uh, so I said this before. Uh, I found out that's actually can't work in this world. So let's just put a lampshade over that and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Changing things. Oh, go go ahead, Ibrahim. I was just going to say that I think one of the common, uh, a common like type of homebrew are the little changes that it takes to just bring a character to life. If you want a yeah. character yeah. to have a feat that isn't really covered mm. in the game, if you want to sort of codify something that's 
a part of their backstory or their personality into the rules of the game. Uh, those little unique mechanics like uh, Dimension 20 has a panic check mechanic uh, mm. or like a, um, a relapse check mechanic, which mm-hmm. is controversial. They did work with some people on that. So like it, it was well handled, but uh, those sorts of little mechanics where it's like, okay, you're going to roll a D20 and something is going to happen specific to your character because this is a, a, a feature of you, the person, and it's not really covered by the game. So we're going to give you a little, a little something extra to mm-hmm. worry about. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on the character side too, the Hannah, what you were saying about being in the moment and, uh, and Emily, you were saying about having so many NPCs in a module to have to worry mm-hmm. about. I, I I can feel that characters can end up end up feeling way more organic when you're doing it in the moment. And I say this, I, I think a lot of any ability I have to improvise on the spot with, with teacher RPGs, a lot of it comes from being one, a school teacher and two, a horrible procrastinator. Um, yeah. And I learned that when, you know, you've got 34 very judgmental 12 to 14 year olds in front of you and they're demanding your attention and you got to come up with something on the spot because you're, you're not a very good employee. Um, it kind of baked that skill into me, but still I think being in the moment with a character, your choices are unbound. And what well, one, one thing that I helped myself with to, to avoid any of my characters starting to just feel like the same person and doing the same thing. Um, was based on uh, Chuck Jones, the guy who created Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote. Mm. There's uh, a story about how in the writer's room for those for that cartoon, they made themselves some laws. They made like eight or nine laws about the cartoon. Coyote can never catch the Roadrunner. Right. He's always got to be done in by his own invention or hubris. Yes. Uh, Roadrunner never directly does any damage to Coyote. Those sorts of things. Yeah. And then they they told these um, these really fun stories based on just little pillars that they could always come back to. So if you find, you know, uh, I want to do my own characters, but I feel like they're all going to be the same or I'm always going to end up with the the Wolverine anti-hero. Okay. Come up with one uh ideal or flaw that you always come back to. Your character is based on that. Doesn't mean they can't change, but it'll It'll, it'll give you an identifiable character. It's definitely something I struggle with. Uh, always wanting to make, always wanting to bring characters to a certain yeah. set. I mean, it's the, what is it? It's, it's the same thing as when you play a video game and you always play the good character, right? right? Yeah. And yeah. it's that idea, finding ways to, to, to tether yourself to different parts mm-hmm. of the, the character spectrum, as it were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An idea that comes to me on that realm, like specifically speaking about NPCs that you have to create in the moment, if there's an element specifically that you always find you struggle with, whether it's the name, the characterization, something that is very, doesn't necessarily matter what it is, maybe make a list ahead of time. Here are a bunch of names that you can pull from. Any name will do for any NPC. Or here's a list of characterizations that you have prepared. And when the players meet a new NPC that just pops into the narrative spontaneously, you can look at that list and say, all right, I need a new NPC. And, you know, okay, uh, I haven't played a character that's shy recently. There's shy on my list. And, uh, okay, maybe their name, here's my list. of Ah, Pebbles. 
and okay, this NPC well is going to be pebbles and they're shy. Um, and then you just have a list of those types of characteristics so you don't have to think too hard for the parts that you struggle with and you can let the rest of your creativity run free in the moment. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good tip. That's very good. Yeah. God, there's so many amazing homebrew creators out there too. If I could just shout out VJ Harris, VJ, if you're listening, I love you. You know this, Um, (laughs) but VJ has produced some of the best home. Like it's to the point where even though it's on DMs Guild, I feel like calling it homebrew is almost like not really capturing what it is. These are full supplements. It's not like a homebrew of a character class. It's it's an entire supplement. Uh, An elf and an orc had a baby, and an elf and an orc had a baby too, bringing all of these different options for uh, different parentages and different features and uh, just like outlining like, okay, if you had uh, uh, an orc and uh, struggling for a race that's non-humanoid. Genasi. Genasi. Tabaxi orc, that'd be cool. Tabaxi orc, yeah. If you, that, it's in there. Tables on tables on tables, uh, or like the supplements, like the the Rashomon campaign guide. It's just good stuff. It adds like here's maps, here's a place, here's new classes, new spells. This is what homebrew is because this is stuff like I'll be honest. I don't think we would ever have gotten things that are th- this specific from like Wizards isn't going to go that deep into the paint because there's no reason to, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is a thing that only exists because this person had this life experience and they wanted Mm -hmm. to bring that to the world. You, that's what homebrew can do. Mm. And I mean, we're trying to literally do our own homebrew at the beginning of our shows where we are bringing in these little beverages. I mean, Emily brought us one that we hadn't heard of before. And (laughs) it's from your life experience to to ours. And and that's what's so lovely about TTRPGs. And it's so hard to encapsulate just exactly what they are because they Mm -hmm. hit so many things. Uh, You know, we're talking about characters and character development and how you can, that's not just for, that's not just for a game. You could use this in writing. You could use this in your art. You could use this for anything. Um, Man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not going to rant about wanting D and D in schools again. Yeah, but uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's 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 the idea of homebrew is so woven into the idea of TTRPGs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that I, I, to 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 clarify what I was talking about earlier of my perspective, I do not think I had that perspective when I was young. I think I thought that homebrew was the equivalent of. Uh, fan fiction and and I don't mean that in any derogatory sense at all I just it felt like oh this is an extra thing that people who like D&D they're making their own stuff not realizing that no it's it's not only woven in with it it creates eventually the official D&D yeah. stuff as well it inspires mm, yeah. it there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's come from homebrew that is now official and I mean there are plenty yes. of people who love to make their own homebrew over the years who have gotten either made their own TTRPG that has have gotten big and blown up and are are popular names now or have gone to work for these established TTRPG companies whether it be wizards or otherwise um 
And so if it's something that you really have a love for, you may be able to turn it into something more. Mm-hmm. Um, but also speaking of, you know, and for myself, I, I'm very much trying to diversify the TTRPGs that I play. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm finding is the more TTRPGs that you play, also you can take inspiration from the other games. And I know there are folks on on TikTok who throw shade at this idea all the time of, oh, well, other TTRPG does this better. You should just play that other game. Yeah. And I feel like there there should be nothing wrong with mixing and matching um, various different systems. You know, the, the core of the rules that I am playing is based on X TTRPG, but I really like how they do it in Y TTRPG. So I'm going to pull this one element from the other one and I'm going to slot it in and use that as homebrew um and i think the same goes with you know story content as well so long as you're not making money off of it or streaming it or anything steal shamelessly mm-hmm. you know honestly if you, yes. steal if with you pride. love take you know <laughs> I, I have ideas for you know once i do finally make the brain space and time to run a game I am thinking of a cartoon that I loved growing up uh, that is like, I think I'm going to copy that story when I do a campaign and make tweaks here and there. But that's what I'm going to do for my friends. And most of them never watched that cartoon, so they don't know what's coming, (laughs) uh, even if they figured it out, which they wouldn't. But um, and then even if you are doing something for audience uh, and getting paid, if you both change it enough and also credit your inspiration there are still ways to do that too you have to be a little more careful because you don't want to plagiarize but Mm. there are still ways you can take ideas from other existing media um, and just be inspired by everything yeah and to your point about like mixing and matching i agree um there's a lot of people on uh, online that will say like I'm begging you to play another game. I'm begging you to play anything besides D and D. And I agree to some extent. Where it's like, yes, you should ex- you should expand your horizon. You should play other things. You should yeah. learn how different systems work. But if what you want to do is play Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, uh, play Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. If that's the thing that you want to come home to, if that's what you're comfortable doing, mm-hmm. um, and if you want to like borrow things from something else go for it. You know, it's, there's no reason for you to limit what your experiences should be, uh, just arbitrarily. Um, like I'm, I'm running, uh, I'm running a, a, a game that has, um, uh, I, I, excuse me. I want to actually name drop it, but I'm Do blanking it. on the name. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Hi. wait, it's, uh, the quiet place or no that's not it the quiet year the quiet no it's not the quiet year hold on i can literally check because i dropped the game book in another chat earlier hold on hold on i have heard of the quiet year i feel like i have anyway quiet year is good too the quiet quiet place though the quiet life the quiet life is this lovely little game about a pastor and a bunch of nuns it is oh yes it doesn't necessarily have to be religious yes uh but the 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 main thing in that game is like uh it's a card based game where you're like assigning chores based on the cards you draw and then the nuns in this uh, uh in this convent are sort of charged with completing the chores 
they're not incentivized to do that. So there's all these weird things that can happen where it's like the nuns can just go on a date and not do any of their chores. And it's like, well, I'm going to, you're going to muck out the stables now. Excuse me. I I should take that line again because I punched my microphone. You're going to have to muck out the stables because you neglected your duties. But you 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 do your little thing. You go on your little dates. And it's just like, that's not a thing that the rules of Dungeons & Dragons 5e necessarily support. It would all have to be just role play. So if you want to do it with additional rules, here's another game that does that. Um, yeah. But, but if you wanted to take that and say like, okay, we're going to play a mini game of uh, this this other card-based game in Dungeons & Dragons 5e. Mm. We're just going to do that for the next 45 minutes. Go for it. Oh, I love mini games. Yeah. So do I. So really refreshing in your in your game. I think uh, like it goes both ways, right? Because if if you want to do a mechanic like have mechanics for going on a date, you know, do a role play of a date, uh, you have this game that has already set this up. That's fantastic. But maybe you know you or your players don't want to only play that game. They just wanted that one mechanic. And so, yeah, it goes both ways. And it doesn't mean we're not trying to cannibalize or rip off parts of really fun, creative, smaller games to feed into the giant corporate monstrosity of Dungeons and Dragons. D&D is for everybody. And you can improve it with other stuff while also highlighting other things, just like Ibrahim just did. Like he brought us to the quiet life. Um, Mm -hmm. So now we know about it. And it doesn't have to be, uh, uh, you don't have to have a cynical outlook on where you got to rip off the pieces of things that we like to make D&D better. No, you could bring stuff from D&D into those smaller games too, because everybody likes everything, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, there's no reason not to mix and match. The whole point is it's a game. You're supposed to have fun. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't like people telling other people their fun is wrong. As long as you're being a good person and you're not being a jerk to other people, your fun is not wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Sorry. No, Emily, please. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, um, with the whole kind of like stealing with pride thing, I wanted to come back on that because um, a friend of mine in the community had an amazing idea uh, with, they did a, I think it was a one shot or a series of like, um, like just like a mini campaign where the players were the, the woodland animals that were helping the princess. <laughs> um, and they couldn't. <laughs> And basically just, you know how like you have like Snow White that's just surrounded by like the all of those kind of woodland creatures. Yeah. You were literally those woodland creatures trying desperately to get the prince to like do his job and save the princess. But actually you, the guy, you were the ones doing all of the work anyway. Um, and I was just like, that's such a good idea. <laughs> and I will absolutely steal that. Thank you so much. Um, exactly. So again, like don't feel like your homebrew has to be unique and no one else has done it before or like because there is no such thing as a unique idea everything has been done before a million different ways but Mm -hmm. you haven't done it before um no one has done it like you um so don't be put off by this amazing home brewer online has done this thing like you know i can't possibly compete no do you have fun with it just just if you've got an idea run with it and you'd be surprised where you can get ideas from, too, mm-hmm. because I have one friend who is ridiculously clever, 
and one of the most hilarious sessions we ever played, we realized at the end of the session that the whole, that arc, that particular session and the enemies we were facing and the problem we were solving was literally inspired by the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf music video. Ah, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> the, so good. We, we met this guy named Aisha, which apparently was an anagram for Shia. Uh, I love that. Who, like, he's, at the beginning we meet him and, like, we go in, like, I can't remember the details, but we have to go into the woods to, like, do something to help him. And then he shows up, shows up again and he's a cannibal. And... Uh, our, our DM ran us through a session that followed the lyrics of actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh my gosh, you would you can find inspiration anywhere. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I had put uh, you know, when we come into this podcast and kind of jot down some ideas, I had put down our idea of homebrewing with world building, but. That is such a fun topic that I think we'll save it for another episode where we can mm, all yes, dive like in because it's yeah. uh, part of this podcast is is not just talking about TTRPGs, but also writing in developing worlds and characters and stories to play in and to exist in. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll do an episode on this sort of thing, uh, on this one particular aspect of TTRPGs. But I recently had an experience that really brought home to me just how empathic a connection you can make with this game and what it can do. And I, I lost my very first D and D character and Aww. I realized, yeah, the way I'm feeling right now, this stuff is powerful. And I keep thinking back to uh, a, a little moment we had during one game where my character did something for two other characters. And I kept thinking about that, like, I am a 34-year-old man thinking about this game I played and this story and this character I played for a while, and it really hit me hard when they were gone. And while I have plenty of emotional moments that are usually heart-swelling and lovely with the kids that I play D&D with, this one hit me in a different way. And with Homebrew, I was always held back with the idea that it would be shallow that it would be hollow, that because there wasn't professional people behind this and it wasn't being published and agreed and acknowledged by people, that it wouldn't have the same weight to it. And that's absolutely not the case at all. And that's, that's, I, I feel like that's what we will try to really support on this podcast is, is the idea of just how powerful TTRPGs can be in the stories and worlds that we tell and live in in these spaces. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hannah, unless anyone else has any uh, things you want to throw in, you had a, a prompt for us. Yes. Uh, so mm. I was thinking that we could go out on what is your favorite homebrew mechanic, item, class, oh race, what have you, what is your favorite homebrew thing that you've ever encountered? And maybe tell us a brief little bit about it. Um, and I have an idea of what I want to start with. And it is an item, I am pretty sure this is homebrew, um, that in the tables I play with, I know it's not unique to us, but uh, the tables I play with, we call it the Ring of Misspell. <laughs> uh, and... It is a magic item, a ring, that the wearer 
uh, can change one letter in any spell they cast, and it will change the spell. Uh, now, it has to be that. on par with the same level of spell slot you're casting with, uh, and it can't be, you know, too ridiculously overpowered or, or whatever. Um, a cantrip still a cantrip, what have you. But uh, I can't remember what the result was, but the my friend who used this at one point changed Shatter to Shatner. Uh, i I can't remember what the result was i wish i could but it's that kind of cleverness that Mm -hmm. i I really appreciate so the ring of misspell changing one letter in a spell's name to change the effect of the spell oh man i like that that's very good dang it uh oh or the idea was changing wish to fish what that means i don't know it's a ninth level spell but (laughs) i cost fish fish. (laughs) you will find out in 30 seconds when that whale comes in back into the atmosphere (laughs) oh man oh homer this is a this is a tough question it's a great question but it's a tough one Um, oh okay all right i think i've I've you got one mine um it it never uh i don't know if this ever kind of came to fruition but it was a kirby themed um uh barbarian i'm pretty oh sure gosh. um oh my goodness that sounds amazing uh it was it was being messed around with in um a stream i was watching and i just thought it was absolutely fantastic um oh god was it i'm gonna have to think about that now i'm just trying to put it together in my head um and then that kind of devolved into um, <laughs> an idea I wanted to put together. I'm terrible at homebrewing uh, classes, um, so I'd need help with it. But a um, a Jigglypuff um, <gasps> barbarian bard yes. <laughs> crossover. Um, so like all about that putting to sleep, but then raging. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! No, uh, when people weren't listening to their song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that kind of um just kind of like taking I've seen all sorts of like Pokemon themed um classes and also um races as well. I've seen like an Alakazam race and stuff like that. It's it's really oh, cool. Fun. I like taking like things like that and sort of Pokemon using homebrew. them as inspiration. Yeah, it's I pretty like cool. That. It's really cool. Nice. Uh Ibrahim, have you thought of one? Uh I think I have one, but it's literally just a, I just I'm just gonna plug VJ again. Yeah, I'm go for it, it please. <laughs> please. Yes, um, always plug VJ. Like, okay, so I, I like I think what like I I can't overstate how much I love this, but the in the elf and orc had a baby. The homebrew system there is that you can select your parentage and your upbringing. And you have a certain amount of points that allows you to pick from traits related to your parentage and upbringing. So you can sort of create your own race on the fly as part of your character Ooh, creation. Oh, that's fun. So if you have like a, a dryad parentage, you could select from uh, dryad magic, which would give you like uh, druid craft cantrips, uh, fey charm, uh, and like fairy parentage, fairy magic, improved flight. Um, stuff like that the the system there giving you 16 points that you're allowed to spend however you like and mix and match between different parentages because you're not limited to just one you can say uh druid and dry or sorry fairy and dryad or uh 
whatever combination you can imagine. And it's such a comprehensive system. I just, I love it. And I, I try to make it available nice. to players anytime I can. Um, man, favorite homebrew. Uh, yeah, it's tough. There's so many. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I will say... Um, Okay, you know what? I will plug one that uh, it's, it's nothing super special, but what it represents, I love so much. Uh, I have one group of kids. Um, their their adventuring party has now been named the Merciful Demons, and uh, their specialty is they made a spell called Raining Nachos. And nice. one of the kids just really wanted nachos one day during the session, like physically in real life wanted nachos and it was on their brain and they kept thinking about it and everyone else snowballed with the idea. And so we ended up creating a spell and now there's, we, we pretty much now have created an entire school of magic related to <gasps> nachos and chips. That's and queso. amazing. I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh gosh, cool. amazing. And the fun thing about homebrew is like, this isn't in a world where all the magic is food based or anything. No, it's just, you know, you still got the evocation and conjuration, abjuration, all these stuffy wizarding schools. And then the nachos, nachos. <laughs> the nachos school. So yeah, I, homebrew comes from so many different sources. Yeah. Yeah. I love what we can learn from kids. Absolutely. Right? And you know, it occurred to me when you asked the question, we didn't even get into this and I think we'll save it for a whole nother episode, but the idea of puzzles in oh, your gosh. game. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, definitely another That's almost always yeah. homebrew. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because even if you do the puzzle the way it's written I, out that someone else did, you will always go a different direction with it. And have yeah, to they'll adjust. always solve it a different way. Yeah. 100%, yeah. 100%. I have thoughts. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Very good. So, uh, I think derailing think... needs to be a whole topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we do well to, to spread out like derailing, world building, mm-hmm. character death, uh, yeah. char- backstory. We have so many that we can jump into. Yeah, to uh, to our our fans, if uh, you want to contact us and request topics 100%. that we can cover in the future. Please do, yes. because there are so many options, uh, and we'd, we'd love to take requests. So, uh, with that, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, I am Nick. You can find me at Delightful Dungeon Diving on TikTok, and I'll kick it over to uh, Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Hello, uh, my name is Ibrahim. It has been such a pleasure to be here with you today talking about homebrew. Um, you can find me on Twitter at cosmic underscore Eve. You can also find me on Twitch at the Nameless Domain channel. Uh, we've got a lot of excited things planned. We've got a lot of games that are starting up. Uh, we'll have a Pokemon tournament that is going to be a lot of fun and is going to be benefiting uh, charity. Uh, more details to come. Um, but yeah, uh, I will pass it over to Hannah. I'm Hannah. You can find me on TikTok at at critical underscore stitch. And through there, you will find my link tree linked within. And finally, I am Emily Graymore. You can find me mostly on TikTok and also on my Unbalanced Encounters Discord. Um, but go to unbalancedencounters.com and you can find everything there. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone again for tuning in for another episode of Delightful Dungeon Diving. Be awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.
fucking up for everyone here, so no one else has to.